And now, it's time for the Tri-State Sports Beat with your hosts, Nick Federico, Scott DeBell, and Joe Bruno. Strap in! Strap in is right, pal, because the draft has come and gone, and we are here to discuss. Welcome, everybody, to a new episode of the Tri-State Sports Beat. Three amigos here, Nick, Joe, and Scott. What is going on, everybody? A new era of Jets football is here. Giants football, too. Don't worry, we don't forget about them. We'll talk about them a little bit. The speculation is over, boys. Zach Wilson is our quarterback. Let's activate the headbands. If you have your headbands on you, that'll be fantastic. I'll grab mine. Because I, I, I don't think I could take this off. I don't think I should take this off, ever. Because I'm pumped. We're all pumped here. Because we finally have a quarterback. Well, we had we used they to have, we used to have, we hope. This is the you guys. Play. This is the guy we wanted all along, and now he's officially a New York Jet. And now we can focus on the season ahead. Thank the good Lord. And enough with this. You know, we've been talking about Zach Wilson for months now, and who the Jets are going to pick with that twenty third overall pick it wasn't twenty three. It was actually fourteen. We'll get into that. So, guys, how we feeling on this wonderful Sunday? As the draft is now complete, gentlemen, I am fired up. Oh yeah, I'm pumped. I'm like, I think I'm more pumped for for this season to see like all of our draft draft picks play than I was to see Mackay Becton and all of his weight throw around Nick Bosa, Joe Bo, whoever it was <laughs> on his side. So, what do you got, Scott? We are <laughs> sick. <laughs> We are sick. <laughs> Penis grabbing. <laughs> 14 and 3. Here we go. Oh, Jesus. Oh, no. He does this every single year. <laughs> sick. Sick. All right. Let's come back. Let's come back down to earth just a little bit. Just a tad. Sick. Do we know if Zach Wilson's going to be good? No, we do not. Yes. <laughs> you do. <laughs> yeah. I can see into the future. Okay. Football, oh, great. When's the Super Bowl win? After we're dead? Next year. <laughs> Next year. Super, Super Bowl 69. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that would be fitting. That'd it would be. be. 69, yes. Super Bowl 69. 69. 69. But no, we don't know if Zach Wilson's going to be good. But, got, but like, just the anticipation of all this, like, and the reaction that we were getting is, like, we finally have hope again. And it feels so good to say after the shitty football we've watched over the past uh, decade, like, we had hope with Mark Sanchez, we had hope with Geno Smith, false hope, we had hope with Sam Darnold, but next in line is Zach Wilson. And we get to feel all giddy and happy, and it just feels so good to, to, to be feeling that way. And we can tell that Joe Douglas, and, and this is Joe Douglas and Salah's guy, like, we can tell because when Joe Douglas and Sala both were speaking after the draft on day one, I've never seen a man, two men, smile so big in my life than Joe Douglas and Robert Sala after drafting Zach Wilson. Like, like they are like they knew that this was their guy. They knew this was the guy. And just the grins on their faces were just as big as you could see. But... It's just an awesome time right now if you're a Jet fan. We'll find out if he's the right guy, obviously. But you can tell that this is the guy that the New York Jets wanted. And apparently he's the perfect fit. 
for this Mike LaFleur offense, for the Shanahan system. And the Jet and the most important thing to me is that the Jets wanted him and he wanted the Jets. Enough of, you know, enough of that crap of, you know, you know, Trevor Lawrence might not want to go to the Jets if the Jets pick him number one overall, or if the Jets have the number one overall pick. No. Zach Wilson wanted the Jets, and the Jets wanted him. Zach Wilson's what's important, and the Jets are what's important. But for the first time since 09, the 09-10 season, we have this rookie quarterback, rookie head coach pairing, and last time it worked out pretty well. Guys, fired up. Is to is an understatement right now. We just have to hope. Like the the fact that we have hope again is just happy to me. But we we have to hope that this works out. It's gonna work out. He's gonna be a stud. <laughs> I think I think it'll it'll definitely help our situation. Oh sure. Yeah, um, I don't I don't want to be like over optimistic about it because I feel like, like we're just over optimistic about everything that uh, happens with the Jets. True. Uh, simply because we are at the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> so. I mean, I don't want to be, like, overly optimistic about it. Like, there's always a chance that he could stink it up in New York and and not be what we're expecting. But at the same time, like, this whole draft to me was, like, an A-plus move, mm-hmm. honestly. Like, from drafting the four offensive players that we've gotten and the six in a defensive row. players that we got, <laughs> yeah, like, it's just, it's, wow, wow. And that just and that just tells you something too. Like this, to me at least, this is the most excited I've been over a draft class in quite some time. And to be honest with you, I don't know about everybody in this draft class, but the fact that the Jets that Joe Douglas picked four straight offensive players with the first four picks just tells you that this is not the same old Jets anymore for now. But Joe Douglas, to me, in this draft, backed up what he set out to do: build a team through the draft and protect this quarterback like trading up like uh, Joe you and I were on FaceTime or were all three of us on FaceTime no I think it was just you and me Joe when the Jets traded up to 14 to select Elijah Vera Tucker the guard out of USC couldn't believe what I was seeing I've never seen the Jets trade up in a draft ever and I beg them to every single year and they never do it this year it's for real they get Elijah Vera Tucker at 14 they trade up with the Vikings from 23 to 14, and they get the best, the highest graded, whatever stock you want to put into that, they get the highest graded guard in the draft in Elijah Vera Tucker. So that only proves to you that the Jets loved him and in in the process jumping the Patriots. Haha, see ya. But getting the guy, getting two guys that were in their top 10, and that just tells you all you need to know and how much they loved Elijah Vera Tucker coming into the draft. And the beautiful thing was they didn't have to give up the 34th overall pick. You give up two third-round picks, we'll take that risk. Amazing job by Joe Douglas there. So were you, were you guys just as surprised as me that they actually made a move to trade up? Or was it kind of expected? I mean, Joe Douglas's back is against the wall to protect this quarterback. I mean, I, I just think pro- you come in, you come into a draft with twenty one or twenty one selections over the next two years, with the mentality that you can afford to give up some of those draft picks to move up into into a position to draft a player that obviously the Jets had Elijah Vera Tucker among the top ten best players in the entire draft on their big board. So um, you you use those assets to go up and um, 
you know, get the guy that you believe is, um, you know, worth it in that position. And I think in this scenario, see, there's people on Twitter, idiots on Twitter, Morons. that are saying, oh, the, the Jets tra- traded too much for a guard. They just wasted too many assets for him. Are you dumb? Like, yes. people people praise the Cowboys for the offensive line they built. Like, people people talk about the importance of an offensive line all the time. But, yeah, when the Jets, you know, trade up nine spots and give up two third-round picks to go get the the the, the tandem for Mekhi Becton for the next 10-plus years. Yep. You know, it's too much, too much, not worth it. There's some Shield Kapadia guy on the athletic gave the pick like a C because they traded up too much. He also gave how. the Zach Wilson pick a, a B minus. So, um, I, I think, think I think, uh, honestly, honestly, I think a B, I think a B or B plus is fine for Zach Wilson because we don't like the Jets are taking a risk. Like, there's only so much we saw of Zach Wilson. Let's be honest. Like, we weren't sitting here for a year watching Zach Wilson tape. Like, let's let's be honest here. Our hopes were Trevor Lawrence. And let's not pretend that we never wanted Trevor Lawrence. But there's a risk involved with taking a guy that, you know, comes from the small school. It's been proven before. Josh Allen's the greatest example here. But the Jets believe in this guy. And to him, it's an A+. To us, it's an A+. Because we like... Because we're me personally, because I'm confident that the Jets love this kid enough to pick him, and they loved him over Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Mac Jones. That's why I feel good about it. Because the Jets, that's the Jets guy, and I can and get everyone, behind. That. And everyone talks about how you know much of a scheme fit Zach Wilson is for this system, right? Which we don't even know what the system is. Like, let's be real. Like, we have no idea what this offense is going to be. We can watch San Francisco all we want. It's going to be a little different from what's in San Francisco right now. I mean, from what I've from what I've heard from like Sala and Joe Douglas and everything, it seems like they're going to integrate that San Francisco def- uh, that San Francisco offense. Yeah. And when they were watching him uh, during the season, they said that he he already knows a lot of the plays because the mm-hmm. BYU and the San Francisco 49ers playbook is is very similar. I can't remember what the the actual name for the system is. The West Coast West offense. Coast. West that's right, the West Coast offense. And he was like it's it's almost identical to what he would be playing here as if we integrated that system with the Jets. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, already having that knowledge of the playbook is just it it sets you apart from I feel like any other quarterback in this league, in in the draft already. So, that's why like the scheme fit is a huge part. I feel like if if you have a player that fits your scheme, then you're already 5, 10, 15 steps ahead of your, your opponent. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a great point, Joe. And it's just, I think all these picks, you could say, Zach Wilson, Vera Tucker, and then the next one, the Jets actually like not trading down, which was the speculation all along that they would trade down because Joe Douglas loves draft picks. But staying at 34 and snagging Ole Miss receiver Elijah Moore, a guy that we had, or well, I had personally mocked in my, you know, in my top 32 in the first round of the draft, fall to the Jets at, at 34. To be honest with you, I was kind of shocked they took a receiver. Wasn't mad about it. Can't be mad at it. But, mm-hmm. but even when there were still, like, high, you know, graded offensive linemen on the board, I figured Joe Douglas, you know, needs to rebuild this line. I figured he'd go back-to-back picks on offensive linemen. But you snag a round one talent wide receiver in the second round, and instantly Jets drafted him, Debo Samuel. That's who he is in this West Coast yep. offense. Yeah, and you could see how excited the Jets were 
when they actually got the pick Would when you like they to hear went it? live to their to their war room. Oh yeah, let's hear and, it. And like, you know, how you doing, man? Hugs. I'm great now. <laughs> I tell you what, man, we were sweating this thing out, man. We we made the trade last night. We 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 never thought this was this was gonna happen. We were we weren't gonna we were not gonna pass you again. Awesome. Yes, sir. Let's go, man. Yes, sir. Dude, I, I'm, I'm telling you, we've been excited about this. I, I thought we lost you when we moved up, and I'm excited to get you here. We're excited to get you here. we got a heck of a foundation growing, man. It's going to be fun. Do me? Yes, sir. I can't wait. All gas, brother. Let's roll, man. Hey, I'm going to pass you over to our owner. He's excited to talk to you, too, man. We're pumped. Congratulations, Yeah, we don't want to hear Woody Johnson speak anyway. Yeah, I don't care. The, the fact they put Woody Johnson in these videos <laughs> is just know. like, you know, a slap in the face. Yeah, I know. But, but like, the, like, my hair is standing every, up from hearing that. It really is. Sorry, Scott, but go Like, every single video that they've put out of the draft calls, Salah has been, like, through the roof I know. with everyone that they've drafted. Strap And he always ends with, all gas. All gas. All gas. Ugh. Um, But, yeah, like... You could just see the video that of the war room um, after they took Elijah Moore. Like they were like high fiving and hugging, and you could just tell there was a like a level of a, like pure excitement that they mm-hmm. got this kid. And Joe Douglas said it in his press conference after day two of the draft that they had this kid, you know, ranked in, in among their top thirty two prospects. He was a first round talent, um, you know, through their grading system. So, you know, the fact that they could add him on day two, and you know. I'm sure we'll get to this at the end, but people's opinions of the Jets taking a majority or not a majority because they actually took more defensive players than offensive players, yeah. I believe. But mm-hmm. people having an issue that with the fact that the Jets took so many offensive players and didn't take anything about defense is absurd. But we'll get to that uh, after you know yeah. we get through all the other picks. But it's interesting to me how once they drafted Elijah Moore, like I like I as a fan thought that's like that's our Debo Samuel, that's our. Swiss Army Knife guy that's going to run the jet sweeps and all that good stuff and beat guys down in speed. But, like, and it also helps that precise route runner. He's got great speed. He's everything that the Jets really need in this offense. So now we're looking at a wide receiver depth chart led by Corey Davis, Mims in year two, Jamison Crowder still going to be on this team, I believe, Keelan Cole, and Elijah Moore. Like, now we are talking offensive weapons here, guys. Now we got some. Now we got some receivers here to work with. And I don't know, we haven't. I don't know if you guys saw the the Bleacher Report video of AJ Brown with mm-hmm. um, Elijah Moore mm-hmm. when when they were like in their in like bedroom or whatever, and he was just like tearing up, getting really emotional. AJ Green, uh, AJ Brown was um, tearing up, getting really emotional, and I think that speaks words about or speaks volumes about like what kind of player this kid is because you hear, hear him say time over and over again that he is twice the, the uh, football player that he is mm. and how strong he is and how mentally tough he is. So I think that in itself from a, a young but yet established wide receiver in the league, it just – it it kind of brings like a sense of confidence to you. And I think that's what, that we're, that's what we're getting in uh, Elijah Moore. I'm, I'm really excited. I think he's probably the most exciting pick that we have in this draft, simply because he fell that far to us. And there wasn't a lot of coverage on him. 
Like we have the coverage on uh, the, or the analysis on Zach Wilson. We have the analysis on Vera Tucker. Elijah Moore didn't get that publicity. And I'm excited to see like what kind of talent he's really going to offer in year one. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, Another thing that we haven't mentioned yet is everyone talks about the character of Elijah Moore, saying that he's an A++++ character, even though, you know, he had the uh, fake pissing in the end zone. Uh, <laughs> the egg bowl. Uh, yeah, the egg bowl. The, uh, the, the pissing in the end zone incident that actually cost him the football game. But, uh, you know, sometimes it's, you know, kids, you need to go through that and learn from that, and clearly he has. But, uh, you know, I think between him and then our next pick and Michael Carter, the running back out of North Carolina – these two, these two guys, you know, really excite me because watching the tape on this Michael Carter kid, he looks like he could be a really good running back. And another guy that's a supposed scheme fit in this in this uh, yeah. floor offense. And of course, we got not one Michael Carter, but two. We got the running back from UNC and the defensive back from Duke. Everyone thinks that's funny. I think yeah, it's funny, but like, let's not spend thirty minutes you talking know, about it. There's also some uh, some irony there because it's a. North North Carolina yeah, Duke, Duke rivalry UNC. and Michael Carter North Carolina and a Michael Carter the second in Duke. So they and were actually... Rob Sala. Rob Sala says something in the press conference when they announced the pick. He goes, "Wait, did we drafted the right Michael Carter, right?" <laughs> like um, they were they were joking around about it too. But uh, yeah, is he the guy that they can that can play safety as well? Or they, they actually the got two. They actually got two guys who could do that. I don't think he's one of them, but they got the. Uh... The Auburn um, guy, the, the guy from Auburn, his name is escaping me right now. Um, and then he's they like got a Keanu Neal kind of player, apparently. Yeah. And then they got Joe, your guy. Uh, you know, you know his name, right? The guy from Florida State, Nazrul Dean. Yeah, what's his Humza. first name? Hamza. 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 So yeah, I think which those... apparently could be a steal, like a really good steal. Yeah, he's like a second or third round talent player, but he tore his ACL last season, so that caused him to drop. Yeah. So, but yeah, like the. Michael Carter squared thing is is funny. It's interesting, you know. But the thing yeah. is, it's two positions of need. Like, do you, do you think like, did the Jets really need a running back? You could argue. You could argue both sides, yes or no. But now that running back room, drafting Michael Carter the running back, makes like a really crowded running back room. You know, you got you got Tevin Coleman, you got Carter, you got Ty Johnson, you got Josh Adams, and still Michael Pirine. So there's gonna be. One, if not two guys that are the odd. I think there's gonna be two cuts. I think it I think it's gonna be P. Ryan and Adams. Yeah. I think Josh Adams think if it you know, comes down to it, yeah. Yeah. But I, I have a hard time thinking that P like Joe Douglas is gonna cut P. Ryan after drafting him last year. I don't know he's why. Not, everyone keeps saying he's not a scheme fit. Yeah. Like P. Ryan's like a kinda like a bulldoze you overrun between the tackles kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And in the Shanahan system, you need a, like an outside zone runner. Yeah. I don't know. I think I think the Jets got the thing that's beautiful about this. They got options, like Tevin Coleman. They got a vet running back, and then they got young guys like Ty Johnson, unproven, Michael Carter, a rookie. You know, and you know they have P. Ryan and Adams for now, but mostly an unproven running back room. So they needed that veteran in there and Tevin Coleman to kind of like, I don't know. I to be honest with you, Tevin Coleman could start Week One, but the whole thing I think we're going to see similar from what we saw in San Francisco. It's going to be huge running back by committee type thing. Yep. As far as that goes, but yeah, no fantasy value in the Jets. Backfield. No, absolutely not. But then we have the six straight picks on defense: the three corners, the two linebackers slash safety hybrids, and then of course I called it. The Jets were going to draft a defensive tackle. I called it because they do it every freaking year for some reason. I don't know. But to be honest with you, all in all, like this is a 
from not knowing the last like couple picks, like not knowing a lot about most of the guys that they drafted outside of Zach Wilson, of uh, Vera Tucker and Elijah Moore, like the Jets hit everything that they kind of needed. You know, could you argue could have they have gone tight end? Maybe, but that just tells you that they believe in Chris Her- in a Chris Herndon resurgence kind of situation, and they value him a little bit more than than we probably think. But do they still have offensive line questions? Yeah, like specifically right guard, obviously, with uh, Greg Van Roten still in there. Cameron Clark maybe will get a shot. Connor McDermott, too, who's a fine backup, but, you know, who knows? I think Joe Douglas speaks very highly of Connor McDermott and likes him a little bit. But this whole draft, at least the first four picks, like this is all about the quarterback. This is all about not making the same mistake twice and what happened with Sam Darnold. Joe Douglas got his quarterback and he's doing everything in his power to give him weapons and protect this kid. Is the offensive line a finished product? I don't think so. But I think, like, maybe a moving piece or two. Maybe Cameron Clark starts over Van Roten. I don't know how good the Jets feel about Cameron Clark yet, but I could see this, for the most part, being the offensive line that we see going into week one. And then the receiving core, too. We We instantly have depth now at the wide receiver position. So the Jets are doing everything they can to make Zach Wilson's life a hundred times easier to start off his career. Yeah, and then, you know, just looking at the undrafted free agents, too, uh, we got a tight end, Kenny Yaboa from Ole Miss. Apparently he could be, you know, a tight end, but also could slot in at fullback. He's a guy, you know, who has – he's a guy who a lot of people were talking about in terms of undrafted free agency and the fact that the Jets got him. So, um yeah, that was good. And then they also, I think it was um, the corner, Isaiah Dunn. Mm-hmm. If I saw this correctly, the Jets paid Isaiah Dunn the largest undrafted free agent contract in the history of the NFL. Really? Correct. <laughs> yep. Um, uh, $185,000 yeah. total guaranteed, including 160000 of his base salary oh. is guaranteed plus 25,000 signing bonus. Yeah. So his, wow. his contract is the biggest ever for an undrafted free agent cornerback. Um, it must've really been. Wow. What? I said a lot of teams must've wanted them then. You I think? guess. And then, um, Yaboa got a $200,000 deal. Wow. So, um, and Those were the two big land, the two big splashes for the Jets and undrafted free agency. They also got a couple of Rutgers guys, um, in and they got two BYU Michael, guys, right? Michael Dwumfor, and the other Rutgers guy is Brendan White, and then the only BYU guy I'm seeing is uh, Tristan Hodge, mm-hmm. an offensive tackle. Mm-hmm. I'm not seeing. Uh, you said something about a tight end, right? Or I thought I thought there was that could have been. I think it might have been the uh, the the. Old Miss tight end that I oh mess up. I thought I thought he was a BYU, but looking back then, at it now, it's old. It is Old Miss. And the Jets also signed a kicker, Chris Nagger from SMU. Yeah, he'll get cut. Apparently, he they love apparently has a monster leg. I would hope so. He's a kicker. <laughs> the Jets also signed an Air Force t- offensive lineman. We're not going to talk about him. <laughs> uh, oh, I I forgot to mention this to you. Yesterday during the rounds four through seven of the draft, I guess like Rich Eisen and the gang over there were playing like a game and see and like going back to the truck, like the production truck, seeing if they had film on just random ass players. 
and one mm. of them was an army linebacker. I forget his name. John like, Radigan? Yes, yes, that's it. Yep. He got picked up, I think, by the Seahawks. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. Johnny, uh, what's his name? I think it, his nickname was either Johnny, uh, I think it, they called him Johnny Nation. Interesting. I saw that. I was like, that name sounds familiar. That army linebacker sounds familiar. So. Yeah, John Radigan. Yeah. He was uh, he was really good. He only had like one year that he played because for some reason, army just keeps turning out insane linebackers. Like <laughs> yeah. Andrew King was around, and then James Nautical, uh, who his nickname was Jimmy Thundersticks. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I thought that was yeah. interesting seeing that. But yeah, uh, John Radigan. That's funny. Yeah, that is funny. I saw that. I was like, I know that name. I was like, I, I couldn't, I couldn't like put a face to him, or, but I'm like, Scott would know who that is. Definitely would know who that is. Yeah, his name's Johnny Nation. Yeah, but now, uh, That's funny. Now we don't have a draft to talk about, guys. So all eyes are now gonna move full. All our eyeballs are gonna move towards Florham Park, and we wait for training camp, of course. And all eyes are gonna be on that beautiful blonde quarterback out of BYU. And the question is. Is he for real? And if the Jets have done enough this year, you know, as the as the season will go on, if the Jets did enough to help Zach Wilson develop and start his career the right way and possibly, possibly be our franchise quarterback that we've been looking for forever. We can only hope. Hopefully we'll get to go to training camp this year because uh, I think uh, I think COVID's starting to not exist anymore after seeing the Kentucky Derby yesterday. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> Just doesn't very, exist in the South very good period. race, by the way. If anybody watched, it was a very, very did not good watch race. the horsies. Did you become the horsey? I did. And um, did you uh, did you bounce up and down with the no, horse? I was, I was going behind I was to run thinking, faster. I was, I was really thinking, uh, I was really thinking about wagering some money on, on the uh, on the big horse race, but I decided not to. Um, I don't know how do you bet horse racing? There's like, an app. You just, you don't crap. I mean, like, how do you just do it? <laughs> I, I don't know. I think it's like I think it's like anything else, right? Like you just put money in and hope yeah, your like, he wins. But like these in other sports, you can like, you know, you have an idea about the team the entire season. This horse just comes out of like <laughs> nowhere. Timbuktu. I think you got eight like, this morning. I think you got to yeah. look. I think you have to look at like the trainers, like uh, he eats uh, some corn and cow manure. Yeah. Like uh, Bob Baffert, the legendary horse trainer, like you bet on those horses because he wins all the time. Yeah, but he won but, again yesterday. Yeah, didn't he? exactly. But his horse was not favored. His horse was like five to one to win, and the favorite was like I don't remember. But the, I think the favorite came in like fourth or fifth or something. So not a good turnout for that one. Wow. All right, enough horse, enough uh, horse play. Ha ha. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's go to the New York Football Giants, shall we? How things turn out sometimes. Because Dave People Gettleman backwards into good moves. Yeah, it was. It really was. Dave Gettleman was forced to do something he has never done, if I'm not mistaken. Trading down in the draft. And let's end this Eagles Cowboys trade is going to be remembered for all time because of how Devontae Smith's gonna turn out, and we'll see what happens with Kadarius Tony. But the Philadelphia Eagles, the city of Philadelphia, have screwed the Giants now twice. Twice in a matter of less than a year. They waved the white flag in week 17, and then they jumped the Giants to snag Alabama wide receiver Devontae Smith when he was so close. And we knew 
that the Giants, if he if he's getting he's not getting past the Giants. He's not getting past the Giants. But it was so obvious that that was the Giants guy, and Philly just gave him the bird and said, F you, we want him more. And the fact that they were willing to trade with the Cowboys in division is just crazy to me. Yeah. But now Dave Gettleman was sitting at 11 with his freaking peach in his hand. Oh, what do I do now? And he really had no choice. In my, he really had no choice but to trade down because – it was obvious it was wide receiver or bust. He was not going after an offensive lineman. You can make the argument he should have. But it was wide receiver or bust at that point. So uh, what are you guys' thoughts after you saw that uh, that go down, that trade go down? You're like, oh, the Giants are screwed now. What's going to happen? Yeah, I'm, that was my first reaction was, wow, the Eagles just screwed the Giants. Again. Yeah. And uh, you knew exactly where they were going and they knew exactly where they needed to get above to draft who they wanted because everyone, that was another worst kept secret is that the giants were going to take wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That was my first reaction. That's the first thing I said when I saw it as wow, the Eagles just screwed the giants. Crazy. I think I kind of had the same, same reaction. That's when I first FaceTime you FaceTimed you. Yeah. Right. Nick Yeah. It was right when that was happening. And I was just like, that whole division's teaming up on the on the Giants right now. And it's just like, <laughs> what are they going to do? Because then they had to trade, they had to trade what behind Washington too, right? Yeah, they traded from they eleven up, to twenty. Yeah, they yeah. ended up yeah, they ended up being one behind Washington mm-hmm. too. So it kind of was like jeez. Yeah. But, uh, but to see that in division trade is is what like, I guess the Cowboys' point of view was like, yeah, we'll take our chances with Devontae Smith to the Eagles rather than the Giants kind of situation, I guess. I don't know. Maybe it's because the Giants have their, well, apparently have their quarterback situation figured out and the Eagles don't. I mean, I mean that kind of plays a factor into it, I think. But Dave Gettleman, when it came down to it, he had no choice but to trade down. And thank the good Lord for many reasons for Ryan Pace and the Chicago Bears. Thank the Lord that they came up to 11 and snagged Justin Fields right away from the New England Patriots. Seemed that everything went our way in round one. We got our quarterback, we traded up for an offensive lineman, and the Patriots, didn't. they didn't get Justin Fields. They got Mac Jones. So, more than likely, Mac Jones will end up being the best quarterback in this draft class. We hope not, though. Knock on wood. Let's hope not. Let's hope not. Yeah, we said that about Stidham, too, so I'm not... Yeah, that's true. But the Giants he, end up he moving... He hasn't played yet. Yeah, has not played yet. The Giants ended up moving down to 20, and the win for that trade was that the Bears were drafting up or moving up for a quarterback, so naturally the Giants got a first-round pick next year back, which could maybe be a top-10, top-15 pick because I don't know how good the Bears are going to be, to be honest with you. Who knows if you know Justin Fields is going to start the season? Who knows if Andy Dalton is going to start the season and how good that's going to come out? But the Giants... Go ahead, Scott. You had something to say? No, I was just going to say that I thought that this move was... You know, one of the best Dave Gettleman has made. Oh, for sure. As the Giants general manager. For sure. The fact that he got a first-round pick from a team that, like you said, this could be a bad football team next year. You know, depending on if Andy Dalton starts, if Justin Fields starts, I think it'll matter who plays quarterback. But, you know, this could be a team that doesn't make the playoffs. You could get a top-20 pick. I, I think there's high odds that this is within a top-20 pick. Yeah, absolutely. And then... And we talk about the pick itself, right? Kadarius Tony was picked at 20 about where he was kind of projected. He was kind of projected late first round, maybe early second round in some mock drafts. But personally, in my opinion, and I want to go around the horn on this one, 
not the pick I would have made. Um, my thing is you draft a guy that high at 20 to maybe be your fourth wide receiver and who's going to be your kick and punt return guy. I mean, if an injury, like obviously if they have an injury, in which they will because Darius Slayton and Sterling Shepard are fragile as could be, like, then he'll play. But behind those two guys and Kenny Galladay now being the number one, where does Kadarius Tony fit now in the offense? Like, Jason Garrett's going to have to do something to draw, to, you know, get him involved here because he does add a lot of things. I think it's a good pick. I think he's talented. It's just not a great pick for me. I maybe would have went offensive line. I know, like, two top I, – I think um, – the two, I think two top tackles were still on the board, but the, obviously the Giants may not need a tackle. They would have rather probably went for a guard, if anything. But you still had top offensive linemen left on the board. And to, I wouldn't say, if they picked him at 11, that's a reach. Obviously they weren't going to because Devontae Smith was still on the board. But I don't know. The pick is fine. I think Giants fans are kind of divided, whether they like it or they hate it. Kadarius Tony's a good player. Like, don't get me wrong. It's just not the pick I would have made. I probably would have leaned towards Bateman if you were going to take a wide receiver right. in that position. Um, yeah, I just don't know if this guy fits Jason Garrett's system of what he does. Because what you saw um, in his tape from Florida is you need to put him in situations that are like creative. Open field. You need to use him in, yeah. yeah, you need to get him in open field. You need to put him in screens and that kind of stuff. And I just don't know if that's Jason Garrett's uh, MO yeah. when it comes to calling plays. So I think Jason Garrett's going to have to figure out how to effectively use him. He, he's not like your normal wide receiver. No. So I think they would call um, him a gadget wide receiver, whatever that means. Yeah. I, I think, uh, yeah, I just don't know if he fits what the Giants do offensively. I'm getting a lot of like Daniel Jones esque vibes from this this pick just simply because it was like kind of a reach, but you knew they were going that position. Um, so you mean they wanted they, you mean they like, drafted him for Daniel Jones? You mean like with him in mind? Is that what you're kind of saying or no? No, like how, oh, like, oh, okay. I know how like they reached for, for a need right. when they didn't really need to reach for a need. You know what I mean? So like, I think, I feel like this could work out, but like you guys are saying, like he has to be able to fit and work in that scheme of, of Jason Garrett. So, I mean, he, I think they're saying that he's pretty versatile in the way that he plays. I think that's what you, what they, they're talking about when they're saying like gadget type of a wide receiver. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we'll see. I don't think he's going to be by any means a number one or number two. So I think it, like I said, it's a little bit of a reach for a first round pick, but I mean, it, it is what it is. And I think that they'll still get probably the best out of him. So, and he's a smaller guy, right? I think he's only six foot. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. So, like, I don't know if you could really put him on the outside. Like, you're going to put him on the outside with Kenny Galladay, who's 6'4". And, like, you know, I, I just have a question where he fits. Like, obviously he's going to contribute on special teams because he's a return man. But you got to think about that, too. Like, you drafted a guy at 20th overall to be a fourth wide receiver on a team right now. I understand if the Giants needed a two for Kenny Galladay, opposite Kenny Galladay. But, like, when healthy, Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton can be an interchangeable two and three. Like, I just – I don't think it was as big as a need as maybe some other people think. But other than that, 
the second pick that they had, I have no problem with. If anything, that I, I love it. They get Aziz Ojolari, and this guy is going to step in and play right away. Like, I love, love this pick for the Giants. Another case scenario, like the Jets and uh, Elijah Moore, first-round talent in the second round easily could have gone in the first round, I think. He's going to be a day-one starter. Him with Blake Martinez, Lorenzo Carter, Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence, like, that's going to be a scary front for Patrick Graham. And I think that I have some confidence here that, you know, he's going to be a good guy off the edge there. And the Giants did need pass rush help, so getting Aziz Ojolari, big, big deal. Yeah, and I think, you know, obviously he came with a knee injury. Not, I don't know if he actually came to the draft with a knee injury or it just was, you know, stemming from last season, but mm-hmm. there were some injury concerns surrounding him, hence why he dropped so far into the second round. But, yeah, yeah I agree. You know, a lot of – Dane Brugler, I know, for one, said that he was the he was his top pass rusher in the entire draft. So yeah. I think it was a home run pick for Dave Gettleman and the Giants. Cool. Yeah, I could have seen them picking him at – at 20 or even even higher before they drafted uh traded backwards so i mean this is a great pick for a second round pick absolutely mm-hmm. and like scott was saying on a lot of mocks he was the number one edge rusher so they definitely get their talent in the second round and they get their their need in the first round so i, I can't be like too, Hon- too upset honestly though the giants picked honestly i think you could have Aziz Ojolari more of a need than they needed Kadarius Tony, I think at least. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I feel like they're they're looking at the injury, uh, the amount of injuries that they've had in wide receiver yeah. in the past. Because Aziz Ojolari so, is going to come in and start right away. Like Kadarius Tony's probably not going to start right away with all because they mm-hmm. have they have depth at wide receiver. They have all these guys now with Galladay in here. So I just I just don't think that. Yeah, Aziz Ojolari is probably at this moment more valuable right now than Kadarius Tony. You can make that argument. Yeah, you could. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I, I love that pick. And then everything else we got, Giants go, they pick two corners later on in the draft, which I think is great. Creates a ton of competition in that secondary. Obviously, you have your number one and two. You got Bradbury and Adoree Jackson, the free agent pickup. But, obviously, the Giants need some depth around them. You know, they got nice – I think it's going to be a very interesting thing to watch. Probably the number one thing besides Daniel Jones is the camp competitions between all these corners. You know, they got Dar- the rookies they drafted this year. They got Darnay Holmes from last year, Sam Beal and Julian Love. It's going to be a fight to see who's going to be the starting corner, the, you know, the depth corners on this team, the nickel corners and all that important stuff. But, yeah, that's going to be a camp competition to watch, I think. They got a, low, they got a pretty good group there in the secondary. And then, you know, my opinions from the draft, my takeaways from the draft, like, I think they should have at least drafted one interior offensive lineman. At least one. Like, did they really need to take a running back in the sixth round, you know, to be behind Saquon Barkley and Devontae Booker? I'm going to say no. Like, I don't think you waste a running back in the sixth round when you got Saquon Barkley. I know he gets hurt, but you also picked up Devontae Booker for a reason, for some kind of insurance. But... You get some competition at right guard. You know, I'm not going to trust Zach Fulton to be your starting right guard. (laughs) Like, should have drafted a guy to bring in some competition there. You got Zach Fulton and Kenny Wiggins. Like, who the hell is the who the hell are those guys? Like, I think they should at least at least addressed the interior offensive line at least once with a guard. But they need to create more competition in that offensive line room. Yeah. 
the offensive line is probably the most glaring need now on this on this team, mm. especially with all the interesting moves they made with it last year, rotating guys in and out, not starting this guy this week, starting him next week. Yeah, yeah, pulling guys mid game. But uh... yeah, I think I think they should have done the same thing that the uh, Jets did last season was kind of go for your your protection for your quarterback. We saw Daniel Jones improve a little bit on the turnovers where as I'm talking about like the fumbles and stuff, but mm, like not as much as you, like, they would like. Yeah. Not as much as you'd like. And you need to, you have to keep your quarterback uh, standing up straight. So, I mean, but we'll see, maybe they'll do a little bit of looking in the, the free agent market or mm. the undrafted, uh, the undrafted free agent market and go from there. But but you bring up you bring up Daniel Jones show and like even with this draft you know you bring in a guy like Kenny Galladay you you draft a guy like Kadarius Tony there's even less excuses now in my mind for Daniel Jones not to succeed post draft like you've add, like you've added another offensive weapon Saquon's coming back you add Galladay like I said this is now make or break time like it was before the draft but it's even more so now because you went first round with a wide receiver who's going to make an impact in some capacity but. You know, this is make or break time for Daniel Jones, like in year three. This this time next year, like let's put it on the table because it, it could be true. This time next year, the Giants could either be picking low because they're a playoff team in a weak division, or they could be picking a quarterback next year because not everybody's bought in on Daniel Jones over there, I don't think. Yeah, and something that a lot of people have brought up too is now that they have that second first-round pick, it's extra ammunition to potentially go up and get a quarterback if they need to next season. But again, we've already we've looked at the quarterback class, and obviously they could be better. Somebody could have a really awesome season and be like a Joe Burrow, Zach Wilson. Someone could pull a Zach Wilson, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think the Giants would have to luck out for that, but if Daniel Jones has another down year like he has the past, I mean, rookie year you throw away because he's a rookie, but this past year... I mean, only three less fumbles than he did last year. He's got to fix that problem. Double-digit interceptions. They got to find out if he's the guy. And it, this it, this may be the same thing that happens to Daniel Jones and what happened to Sam Darnold. So I hope it does. I was just, I was just going to make that same comparison. It, fe- it feels like he's in the same situation as Sam Darnold was the beginning of last season. Yeah, I, w- so, I wouldn't totally agree with that because I think Joe Judge is a better head coach than Adam Gase, obviously. Well, yes. I'd say Jason I'm Garrett's t- a better offensive play caller than Adam Gase. I'm, I'm talking about, like, the players that right. he's surrounded with. Well, I think he's he still has more talent than Sam Darnold ever had. Like, Sam Darnold can only pray for Kenny Galladay. The kid, well, yeah, the Kenny Galladay, yeah. But. So, it's not, like Dave, it's not like Dave Gettleman hasn't, like, Dave Gettleman's actually done a, you know, above average job now getting Daniel Jones ammunition that he needs. The offensive line's obviously a question, but... Daniel Jones has no more excuses. Like, he's got Galladay, Slayton, Shepard. Like, he's got guys now. Barkley's coming back. No excuses now. If if Daniel Jones don't perform, he's not the guy, if you ask me. But you got to see what happens. But now the draft's over. Football's going to be a little down for a little while until, uh, until we hit training camp, boys. Cannot wait. To see Zach Wilson's beautiful headband. He's, he's going to wear the headband. What number do we think Zach Wilson's going to wear? Gotta be one. I hope so. I hope so. You know Do you think cool the Jets are going to uh, bring in a veteran backup? They have to. I don't know who it is, but they have to. I don't. I don't know. Like I, I saw. I saw a few tweets about it uh, yesterday. 
questioning if they're going to. And I mean, it would make sense to. We can't have James Morgan hanging around being our backup quarterback. Like, I just yeah. we can't have that. Uh, That's the other thing is like I feel like they won't get rid of him though. No. Oh no, he'll be around. Yeah. But what's interesting, like I'm hearing Nick Foles' name around, but like you got to trade for him and take on a like a contract, like. Yeah, the Bears uh, would have to absorb a lot of that money. Yeah. I don't know. That's interesting. That's an interesting situation there. You think? I think they could end up trading Nick Foles away, but like, if you're the Jets, do you want to like? I love Nick Foles, birthday buddy. Oh, Nick Foles got Jet. JD a that. third, uh, third Super Bowl ring. This is true. This is true, and it's experience too. He's been in the league a long time, so I don't know. I, I yeah. love I Nick know. Foles. But... I don't know if he's really going to need a a veteran quarterback backup. You yeah, know, like I, I feel like, best, but I think that's the best route to go. Like you have a rookie quarterback, like like Sanchez had uh, Mark Brunel, who was in the league for a hundred years. Like Sam Darnold had Josh McCown. Well, I mean, Sanchez was Sanchez. But he still had a veteran backup just in case. Mark Brunel had never had to play because Sanchez was healthy. He never got hurt. But you still – you. The, my point is you still need a veteran backup quarterback who knows what the hell they're doing. I'm not opposed to Nick Mullins either. He's going to be cheap and he knows the offense. But, again, is he a reliable backup quarterback? It, kind of, maybe. I don't know. But if anything, I'd like Nick Foles. Nick Foles, I mean, I wouldn't hate Brian yeah, Hoyer either, but, like you – know. Yeah, that that is what it is, I guess. Yeah, but they know. they need a backup. I feel, I feel like I feel like some of these guys just like depending on their talent and their and their uh, their skill set. Sometimes I feel like you don't need that veteran presence. With Sam Darnold, I feel like we definitely he definitely needed that veteran presence, and we had that with McCowan until McCowan had had walked not walked, but like he left in free agency. And then so um, why is that different from Zach Wilson's situation? I feel like pure talent wise, Zach Wilson is better. Is Say better. it, Joe. He's better. Yeah, Thank he you. is. Thank you. Pure talent wise, coming straight out of college, I feel like he is better than Sam Darnold. Scott, are you, pret- are you pretending to have a headband on? <laughs> I don't know. I What's just... going on? <laughs> my, I didn't like the hair on my forehead, so I you know, used my head to uh, prop it up. <laughs> Oh, nice. All right, so um, that's really it's it for like football. a nice wave on my head. Yeah, that's very nice. Very nice. The head, the head, the head, the band on the headphones is the surfboard. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> I I'm you better than you. <laughs> Ever did I say that? I know. Well, you did actually. You just said that. <laughs> well, that was that was uh, making fun of Joseph. <laughs> what was that because of? I can't. I can't. What? I know. I remember you saying uh, it because of me. That was the that was the ping pong table tennis. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> table tennis uh, table tennis players are uh, better than ping pong players. Table tennis, ping pong, not the same thing. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> oh man. That's our Ranger Joe. Ranger Joe. Oh man. We still can't figure out where this one's from. Fum- oh. Fumbling meat out of my bun. Can't we can't figure out where that's from. I found it. Anyone I found else it. To go back and listen or remember. Let us know. I found it in the archives, but I don't remember where it's from. <laughs> Somebody it's gotta be from one of our food discussions. Maybe it wasn't the Chipotle thing. I know that. No, but was it? No, there's no buns no, to fumble no meat out of there. Were you eating a hot dog or a hamburger or something? Or I don't remember. Were we talking about burgers or something? 
I don't know. The I only thing I can think of related to hot dogs is when your hot dog bun breaks and the wiener does not stay in there very well. <laughs> oh, clipping the you wiener starts falling clipping, out of there. Clipping you is almost too easy. <laughs> you make it easy. You're welcome for the hashtag content. Hashtag. <laughs> All right, we'll break. When we come back, we'll talk baseball. And then, uh, of course, we're going to make fun of Joe like every, like every week. <laughs> we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Do you have thoughts you want to share, have questions, comments, or hot takes surrounding the world of New York sports? We want to hear from you, so give us a call on the new 24-7 Tri-State Sports Beat fan line. Call our new toll-free number at 862-260-4315 and leave us a voicemail with your questions and comments so you can be heard on that week's episode of the Tri-State Sports Beat. Again, that's 862-260-4315. We can't wait to hear from you, New York sports fans. All right, pal. To the diamond, to baseball, Major League Baseball. Uh, the Yankees, of course, coming off the big win just before we started here against the Detroit Tigers, completing the sweep as they should. A awesome outing from Corey Kluber. We saw it went eight innings. He was fantastic. He was vintage Kluber. Uh, so we love that. But overall, since we last spoke about the Yankees before our mock draft special last week, um, Yankees taking three of four in Cleveland. I mean, that's where kind of everything got started, I think, where this... I wouldn't say offensive barrage, but average hitting at least started. And then they split four in Baltimore, and then they take care of the Tigers to round out this weekend. Um, You know, like I said, the Cleveland trip, I think, is what got them started, what got them going here a little bit. They got great starts from Domingo Herman after being sent down. He came back and pitched pretty well. Uh, They got another good start from Garrett Cole. And they actually put up three runs in in more than two games against the Cleveland Indians. So that's good news. That's good to see. But uh, if you're a real Yankee fan, you hate losing or even splitting with the Baltimore Orioles because this is a team you should be beating all the time. Um, but it, but that's but that's just the case. I mean, you hate to split with Baltimore, you know, especially in a place in Camden Yards where they hit so so well, and especially losing Game One to Matt freaking Harvey. Like, like you what do we look like the Dark Knight again? He's like 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 what are we doing? And obviously the big headline was coming out uh, was that judge base running error to third base. It was just a ba- it, you know, it was just bad on his part. Like we know that it's it's not, you know, I don't think Aaron Judge will ever do something like that again. It's just because he, he never normally does stuff like that, but that didn't cost him the game. And you know, the lack of hitting cost him the game. Everyone wants to think that that base running mistake cost them a game. It cost them a run, but it didn't cost them the game. They couldn't freaking hit for to, for nothing to save their life. But then they combined for 12 runs in games 2 and 3. And then, you know, the dumb running, the runner on second rule just bites them in the ass in the last game. But whatever, it is what it is. But this series against the Tigers was the big, big opportunity for them to really start bouncing back and for them to start, you know, getting something going here. And the offense has, you know, they didn't explode the last two games, but the 10 nothing game in game one was awesome. You know, you got vintage Garrett Cole, you know, holding them to four singles, 12 strikeouts. I mean, that's kind of what we expect now from Garrett Cole. So... That, that is what it is. They get 10 runs. Again, two Judgian blasts. Love to see that when my guy Aaron Judge does well. And Aaron Hicks actually joined the freaking party. Had two RBIs, a rare sighting for the center fielder Aaron Hicks. But And then uh, and then in game two, right, we got Judgey and Glaber. They each had three RBIs. Jamison Tyone gets his first start in two years. That's to the date, I think, actually. So good for Jamison. We're happy with that. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, they took care of business today. Corey Kluber was awesome. I mean, I think the Yankees only got two or three hits today, so that's not what you want against a rebuilding bad Tigers team. But, you know, they sweep the Tigers and get the job done. 
So do you think we're kind? Do you think the Yankees are kind of? Uh, are we getting a little better, pal? Are we did we press the panic button a little too early, or do you think that was justified? I mean, they're playing average baseball right now. I'll say. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we hit the panic button too too early, just because when this team was bad, they were really bad. Like, you know, the the starting pitching was not great. The bullpen was good. The offense was atrocious. Um, but now you can see, like, Judge, I think, is hitting above 400 mm-hmm. over his last however many games, maybe 10 games. Giancarlo has a nine-game hitting streak. Which is – And he's best. had games where he's had three singles. Like, where – when's <laughs> the last time Giancarlo Satan has had games where and he's, he's had three And he's not striking out singles. a lot. He's not striking out a lot either. He's actually yeah. getting bat on ball. And um, I still have my gripes that we'll get into. Sure. Um, but, you know, overall, I think the last two starts, I don't care who the opponent is, Corey Kluber's looked fantastic. Mm-hmm. I mean – Today he earned his 100th career victory. Um, you know, Chapman looks unbelievable. Oh he's you know, he's not earned run yet. He's that splitter. He's uh, you know put into his arsenal is just disgusting. Um, you know he's his velocity is up. He I think he hit 102 today on the last pitch of the game. So uh, you know bullpen bullpen's looking good. Uh, knock on wood, the injury bug hasn't hit this team yet. Yeah, knock on it's wood. just Aaron right. Judge with you know the the travel soreness, side soreness. Um, but uh, yeah, so far, you know the injury bug hasn't hit them. Luke Voigt, I think, is in the uh, due back. Is, I think next know, week. Yeah, he gets. I think he might be able to be activated. It's either Tuesday or Thursday next mm-hmm. week. So yeah, um, you know things are starting to look up. They're back to uh, five hundred finally at fourteen and fourteen. And they have one of the best, uh, the best records in the American League over the past ten games, if not the best. So, which, which they should, because this American League is not fantastic, not something to look no. at. I mean, nothing, no. nothing crazy there. But is one of your gripes the same as mine? I know it's something small, but in Game Two against the Tigers, I mean, Giancarlo Stanton's on a freaking roll here, and Aaron Boone sits him. Like, now, that's part of it. That, and then today, Glaber's finally. You know, busting out of his horrible start. Yeah. No, let's sit up today. I don't understand. Can we play the guys? I don't they have an understand. off day tomorrow. Play them. No, they won't. Like, they won't. <laughs> I mean, no, they have an off day. They should have played Glaber today. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I'm with you. But, like, Stan's actually hitting the ball consistently. He's, you know, he's not, the RBI numbers aren't there, but he's getting on base. He's hitting the ball. He's making contact. And then Aaron Boone's like, nah, we'll sit him. For game two against Tigers, like come on, dude. And then you want to give Ju- and then you want to give Judge the half day. I mean, all right, that's fine. I think that's the first time Judge would DH this year, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, like Giancarlo's actually starting to hit the ball now. Can we just play him? Like, like I understand like a day off every once in a while, and especially with him because of the injuries and, and the injury history and all that. But come on already. Like it's not often Giancarlo Stanton puts bat on ball all the time and strikes out very minimally, right? Like. Yeah. I don't understand it. But the one thing I'll give Aaron Boone is this. I actually have a positive. Is that Aaron Boone is starting to finally see the light, and he's getting higgy with it. Because mm. Gary Sanchez has been benched. Call, you know, you want if Aaron Boone wants to say, you know what, we're just going to increase Higgy's playing time, I'll say it for you, Aaron. You benched Gary Sanchez. He stinks. He's not a good baseball player right now. He's hitting him, what, 180? He was hitting 180? Like he, that might like, be too high. Yeah, might be. You might be right, but I mean, you couldn't keep Gary. Yeah, it is one eighty. You couldn't keep Gary Sanchez in there for much longer anyway. And it seems to be the way. It seems to be this way. I think that Yankee pitchers are favoring Kyle Higashioka anyway, because it starts with Garrett Cole, right? Like that's Garrett. Like 
Higgy is is Garrett Cole's personal catcher. And you've seen the performances. The last five, now six times, that Higashioka has started at catcher, the Yankees haven't lost. The Yankees haven't lost in, in the six straight starts that Kyle Higashioka has made. So it's obviously making some kind of, you know, difference in how the Yankees are playing. But Aaron Boone doesn't want to say the word benched. Like, are we, like, you benched Gary Sanchez. You just want to say, we're going to give Higgy, we're going to increase Higgy's playing time. No, you benched Gary Sanchez because he stinks. Can we just say that? Can we just stop pussyfooting around, please, and just say we benched Gary Sanchez because he stinks. He's not performing. I don't have to say that he, you don't have to say that he stinks or he sucks or he's, well, I mean, we're, that's our job. We're going to say that he sucks, that he stinks, that he's not playing well. But just say that Higashioka is going to be the starter. Just say that he's going to be the starter. And it only makes sense, too. I was saying before the season even started, totally okay with Higashioka being the starter to open the season. Probably should have been that way. And, of course, Gary, you know, Gary hits the two home runs to begin, you know, the two the first two games of the season against Toronto. Great. What has Gary Sanchez done since then? Errors behind the plate. Still can't keep up with pass balls. Still balls in the dirt. Like, he fumbles. And it's just a mess back there. It's time for Gary Sanchez to sit down and watch Kyle Higashioka go to work. And it's not like it's not like he's hitting the ball awesome. Higgy's hitting 265, but it's better than 180. Simple math, people. Simple math. And he gets on base, actually. But, I, but like I said, I said at the start of the season, I'm and before the season even started, or at the end of last year, I'm totally okay with Kyle Higashioka being the starter. Give him a chance. Give him a real opportunity. And he's doing everything he can with it. And now he's he's finally getting a shot, and he's doing everything he can do to keep it. But, may, but like I said, maybe this is the jolt that the Yankees need. Because... They're not going to call it a benching, but one guy sees, oh, Gary's not playing because I better perform then. I better start playing well. I better start getting my shit together. Otherwise, I may get benched. That's called being an effective manager. So good for you, Aaron Boone. You did what something right. What a concept. My other gripe with this team is, we'll go back to the Orioles series. Yeah. That uh, loss on Thursday afternoon. You know, I'm not, obviously, don't love the second uh, the second. The runner on second rules starting no. in the 10th inning. If you do, but you you're the, usually a psychopath. But the Yankees, you know, had uh, had an opportunity to score there. Right. Up steps Tyler Wade. Tyler, oh, put down a bunt. He's the put worst. down a bunt, Tyler. He's the worst. He can't do it. He's the he worst. He is horrendous. There is no use for him on this team. He should just go back to AAA and enjoy his minor league career because he's not a major league player. Yeah, I know. You know my feelings again uh, on Tyler Wade. It's the same goes for Luis Sessa. I mean, Luis Sessa has actually been decent being a part of that bullpen. But, like, yeah, you're right. You're, and, like, Tyler Wade, did he have to come in today to play to play second base today? Did he have to? Did we, did we really defensive, have to? Uh, did we have to get hit? Defend, like, that's the only thing he does semi-decently. But, like, why do, why do we even have to put him in? Just a waste of a, of a move that you had to make there. It's fine. We we could we could have easily kept Gio Urshela at shortstop today, but no, Tyler Wade has to play even if he never steps up to the plate. Give me yeah, a break so already with he that. He sucks. Give me he a break. sucks. And you know what the worst part is? We've known that he sucks for at least two to three years now, at least. Yep. And how he still manages to find a spot on the field every single year is baffling to me. I don't know, but all in all. 
Where the Yankees are right now, it's obviously not where we, as fans, want them to be. We'd love them to be, you know, undefeated, but they're not. But it's better. It's better than what the crap we were seeing two weeks ago. Like, the stars, the guys are starting to finally show up. Judge, DJ, Stanton, all starting to figure something out here. And then the rotate, you know, the rotation, like you said before in the beginning, behind Cole has been better. The uh, you know the Kluber start today, honestly, it's probably it's that's probably as good as it's going to get for Corey Kluber. I don't have high expectations of him being a veteran pitcher. You're not going to expect Corey Kluber to go out there every five days and pitch eight innings. That's just not realistic for him. Jamison Tyone too has been good, but the question is, can the Yankees rely on these two guys to give them some rotation depth? And that's the question we had coming into the year. Listen, if we could get that out of Corey Kluber every every five days, you know, we'll take that to the moon. But that, that's just not the case. Tyone finally getting a win under his belt for the first time in two years, that may boost his confidence a little bit. If Herman plays like he has the past start, awesome. Even better. And then we got to wait for Luis Severino. Like, is, I think Luis Severino's in the witness protection program. Is there any update on him? Like, uh, is he coming back? Anything? Is he going to play baseball anytime soon? I don't know what's going like on there. July. So we still got ways to go. Yeah. But this is the road. But bottom line, this is the rotation the Yankees have right now. The bullpen has been stellar. The bullpen has been really good. And, you know, headlined by Chapman, who hasn't let up a run yet. But how about this? How about we stick it to the friggin' Astros this week and ride this momentum that the Yankees have? Let's stick it to the friggin' Houston Astros. We stuck it to A.J. Hinch and sweeping the Tigers. Let's stick it to the friggin' Astros, shall we? And I want all the fans out there better be booing the crap out of them. And I know they won't disappoint me because, Houston, we're waiting for you, baby. We're waiting for there, you. There might be blood. There may be. <laughs> there may be. Yeah, that's, it's gonna, uh, this is the series that Yankees fans have been looking forward to since 2019. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they didn't get the chance to even see the Astros last year um, in 2020. And then... You know, I think it's not just the fans, too. I think the players have, you know, definitely a sour taste in their mouths after what happened in 2019. So uh, Thursday, you know, it's going to be uh, must-watch baseball, I think. I think it's going to be uh, – It's a three-game series, right? I believe so. That third game, Cole, McCullers, that's must-watch baseball right there. Yeah, Cole – See, Cole doesn't have the same uh, emotion as the rest of the Yankees do because obviously he was uh, the beneficiary of the cheating, yeah. and not not the uh, not the doer, but mm-hmm. the beneficiary of, um, you know, uh, and got a World Series ring from it. Uh, obviously, all of the pitchers I think are kind of uh, exempt from criticism in this because mm-hmm. obviously they had nothing to do with this. But uh, you know, I'm sure they knew what was going on, but they obviously didn't directly benefit from it. There's other question marks that uh, why are pitches why are pitchers getting so much better in Houston when they go there and stuff like that? But it's not um, happening right now. Lance McCullers stinks right now. They're all pitching. Their pitching staff kind of stinks right now. Yeah, they've been they've been decent over the past co- mm-hmm. like week and a half or two weeks though. I think um, I think they're right up there with the Yankees with one of the best records in the American League mm-hmm. over the last ten or so games. Uh, yeah, they're fifteen and twelve right now. They're eight and two in their last ten. Mm-hmm. The Yankees are seven and three. So. Uh, yeah, it'll be it'll be fun to watch baseball. Um, I think all Yankees fans are looking forward to it, and I hope it's rowdy in Yankee Stadium for these three games because uh, I think Yankees fans have something something on their mind they want to get out. You so. want to take? I think we should take a trip. I think we should. That'd be sick. At Cole McCullers start. I think we should be there for that. 
Yeah. I think we should be there for that. All right. So let's transition quickly to the New Ugh. York Mets. Boy, They're oh horrible. boy, can we hit the baseball, please? Like, <laughs> it, it all start like that. They were outclassed against the Cubs in that series, in that three-game series. That was embarrassing to watch. Forget about even the 16-4 to drawing. They were just, they like, they didn't even know how to play baseball in Chicago. Like, great. They took two of three against Washington. Awesome. Another great, you know, another great start for DeGrom, and they, they actually get some run support for him. Taiwan Walker looked good in game three. Very good. He had seven shutout innings. Awesome. But, I like, I know the Red Sox are better than probably a lot of us expected, but come on already. The Mets made Garrett Richards and Nick Pavetta look like Cy Young candidates. They embarrassed them. Here's the Mets offense over two games. Jeff McNeil hit a home run in game one, and then they got two hits in game two against Nick Pavetta. That's it. That's it. And God forbid Jacob DeGrom doesn't throw a perfect game every five days, and he gives (laughs) up a RBI double in the second inning. Once that happened, pal, you knew the Mets were not winning this game. But I'd expect them, you know what, I shouldn't even expect them to get more than two hits because this offense is putrid. They stink. But my God. And it's not just him, but I think it's now time that we start pointing the finger at Francisco Lindor, the $300 million man, right? Seven for 40 since the Cubs series. Seven for 40. One RBI. $300 million man. Right there. And uh, to be honest with you, like, he's had time to adjust. All good. But the honeymoon period's over for me. And he is hearing it from Mets fans. And he knows it. But he's just kind of shrugging it off a little bit. Yeah, I mean, he's Putrid, been absolutely... Yeah, Huge. he's been absolutely abysmal. Um, I mean, obviously his defense is making a difference. He's made some good plays in the field, but that's not winning um, your baseball games. I'm sorry. He's, he's starting to uh, hear the boo birds in City Field. I'm pretty sure the uh, it's probably earlier in the week they uh, yeah they booed him. So um, I, I I definitely feel like he's starting to feel the pressure. I, I think we all expect that he's going to break out of this, but yeah, I mean, not great so far. I, you know, even Jeff McNeil's not hitting the ball really. Dom Smith, nobody's you know, hitting the getting, ball. <laughs> he's he's only getting in fights with Jose Alvarado. Yeah. Conforto's starting to get a little hot. He's sitting around three hundred over his past ten or so games. Yeah, that home run um, last night was big. That the game winning home run last yeah. night was big for him. Nimmo Nimmo's still like third or fourth in the league in hitting around like three thirty, <laughs> I believe. Here's the thing with that: the two guys that are hitting, JD Davis and Brandon Nimmo, they all they both got hurt last night. Both got hurt. Yeah, day to day. Like you gotta be kidding me. James McCann, he's not been he great. He stinks, man. He also can't catch the ball. Yeah, I. It's not looking great in Metsland right now, especially after the seven seven and four start. Yeah. Um, they were overcoming the incompetencies at the plate that this team has. And uh, Evan Roberts brought up a good point. It's not just you know this season where they haven't hit the ball in clutch situations. It was last season too in the sixty games and the year before that too. <laughs> like yeah. 
Well, especially last year, they had yeah. one of the best batting averages in the league, but yeah. couldn't get it done, you know, in the clutch situations when they needed to get runs across. Mm-hmm. And that that's transferring over to this year. And, you know, I don't know if that's a Luis Rojas problem. I don't know if that's, you know, a uh, Chili Davis problem. Um, like they have the know, talent Jacob, to be Jacob able to DeGrom do this. is all the other pitchers aren't like Jacob DeGrom and producing runs for themselves. Jacob DeGrom so, is uh, hitting 462. Yeah. That's the best on the team. <laughs> yeah. Well, obviously he doesn't get at bats every day. So, it's but it's, but he's, uh, he's in the lineup every five days. Like, like they, should, the ev- they should just pinch hit, pinch hit him. The everyday pl- the, the highest average for an everyday player is JD Davis at 390. But again, like he's battled an injury too, and now he's you know injured now, so he's probably not playing tonight. And, and Brandon Nimmo too hitting three eighteen, awesome. Like Luis Guillorme's hitting three thirty three. When's the last time Luis Guillorme played? Can't even can't couldn't even tell know. you. He might have played the other night, but I don't remember. But but like Alonzo two sixty three, Conforto two twenty nine. But you know he's getting back up there. Dom Smith slumping a little bit. He's hitting two twenty two. Instead, he you wants to start. He's slumping. He just hasn't gotten it going. Exactly. He's yeah. been in a 20-plus game slump. Yeah. McCann um, stinks. Like, everybody's Like, I'm actually surprised James McCann has a higher batting average than Francisco Lindor. Because I feel like James McCann yeah. hasn't gotten a big hit all year long. Like, at least Lindor is hitting a home run and has three RBIs for the whole year. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, I don't know, man. This is frustrating. And it's not like that. It's, it's something that we thought, like, it's the complete opposite. We thought we had questions about the, the rotation. Strowman's been good outside of that one start, the last start he had. And then they're still waiting for Carrasco to come back and, and Syndergaard. So I think the pitching staff's going to take care of itself. And the bullpen actually, like, isn't horrible. Like, this yeah. is a, a one-year out of, I think, the last two, three years that we haven't harped on the Mets' bullpen. And how many, how many games are we in? Like, we haven't harped on the Mets' bullpen yet this year. It's all been offensive. They cannot produce on offense, and it's ridiculous because on paper, again, I think this is a big thing with the Mets. On paper, they were supposed to be World Series contender, supposed to be one of the best offenses in the National League and even in Major League Baseball. When your best player, your supposed best player, your $300 million man is hitting 180, uh, it's not good right now. Not good. I don't really know what else to say. You know, it's, it's not good. There isn't. There isn't. I mean... And, like, I, you know, starting pitching has been decent, but, you know, Stroman felt a hamstring the other night. Uh, you don't know what that's going to be. Um, that Red Sox series really showed the offensive incompetencies of this uh, this team. Garrett Richards and uh, Nick Pavetta. Pavetta. Yeah. Yeah, shut them down like, you know, prime Cy Young. Like, not great. I don't understand. I really don't. And then who they – and then they played uh... – they went up against Craig Anderson. Was that last night? Or yeah, that was the no, Strowman start. They, they faced Wheeler, Zach Wheeler last oh, they did. night. And I'm surprised they actually hit Wheeler pretty well. But the night before they play they play Craig Anderson. They can only score one run. Like the Phillies couldn't do much either that game either. But like, oh my God. It's exhausting. Because every time we've come on here and talk about the Mets, it's offense. Like Jacob DeGrom has had three or had three straight starts with fourteen or more strikeouts. And then the start after that, he gets nine strikeouts, and the Mets can't do nothing for him. Yeah. God forbid he lets up a – it's insulting. It's insulting that Jacob DeGrom can – you know, he has two two or three starts where he actually, like, wins a game because the Mets actually produce some offense for him, and now we're back to this. Now we're back to this. 
it's bad. It's bad yeah. right now. And I know, and I know like you're feeling good right now because you know they they won last night against the Phils. Michael Conforto hit a big game winning home run. Hopefully that gets him going. But like you better win tonight. <laughs> like it, yeah. it, like I wouldn't say we're in must win territory, but like come on. You're on ESPN seven o'clock on ESPN tonight. Who they get? They got David Peterson on the mound, who's who was good his last start. Didn't start out the season so good, but got to get it done tonight. Like Lindor's got to come out of this. I think once Lindor comes out of this slump, the Mets will start ramping up again. But it better be soon. Better be soon. All right, so we that's all we got for baseball. When we come back, we'll make fun of Joe a little bit. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. The Tri-State Sportsbeat has partnered up with Southside Productions to bring the podcast to the next level. Southside Productions features an already impressive yet small roster of podcasts, including everyone's third favorite baseball podcast, Take a Pitch. Us, along with everyone else at Southside Productions, are working hard to bring the best sports media content to you, the listener. So do us a favor and check us out at www.southsideprod.com. That's southsideprod.com. And follow us on all major social media platforms. And now... Back to the show. Fun with Funnets with Ranger Joe. It's got a hard name. <laughs> All right, Joseph, you're not getting away with it this week. We had the draft prospects for you last week, and now uh, we're back to normal. Joe, I swear to you, normally I know the names, like, pretty well, but Scott came up with these ones, and boy, oh boy, they're bad. <laughs> so here's number one. Just, uh... Take that in for a second. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. You're Uh, welcome. (laughs) Let me pull up the bio. Hold on a second. Forgot I had to do that. All right. This man is a former Norwegian professional football player, soccer player, and is the current manager of the Premier League club Manchester United, who uh, did not play. Had some unrest today. (laughs) To say the least. Before, arri- <laughs> before he arrived in England, played for the Nor- Norwegian clubs. Yeah, I can't even say that either. Wait, wait, send them to me. I want to try. Uh, all right. But he joined Manchester United in 1996 on a transfer fee of 1.5 million pounds. Joseph. Oh, no, no, I'm gonna... His name is... Old Gunnar Solaster. <laughs> uh... <laughs> the clubs he played for are... Hmm. Klossengengen, Kloss, Klossengengen. You want to speak it from Molda. <laughs> Scott, what is his real name? <laughs> Ole Gunnar Skullshire, or Ole Gunnar Solshire. Solshire. All right, so I got Ole Gunnar. Ole, 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 no, you said Ole, Ole. it's Ole. Okay, okay, sorry. <laughs> Ole. Sorry. Ole. Jesus. <laughs> Blow smoke up my ass. <laughs> Stupid ass. Ole Gunner Solshire. <laughs> okay. All right, Joe. Uh, well. Oh for one. Oh for one. Well, to say the least. Uh, let me see if I can copy this one because Scott sent it to me in a picture format. All right. Sorry. Uh, Sorry uh, about the format. No, that's all right. No big deal. We we will adapt here on the Tri-State Sports. But here you go. You're gonna have to click on it to see the full name, Joseph. So uh, be prepared. All right. This man is a professional footballer who played for <laughs> the Dutch side for Dutch side PEC Zwolle as a forward. He's oh, also man. known as Gucci in Belgium and Netherlands, <laughs> having played for Dutch national youth teams and the Iranian national team. Joseph, his name is Riza. 
Is that how you say Don't his first name? Me. Riza. Do not ask me. Guchanjahad. <laughs> you want to speak it from? Yeah. <laughs> Bro. <laughs> Joe, this is the most defeated you've impossible. ever sounded. You're so this defeated. Is, uh, his name is uh, according to this pronunciation guide. So uh, from. Cheap goals, so if it's not correct, don't kill the messenger. That's it. <laughs> His name is Reza Guchanihad. That's not how it's spelled. <laughs> no kidding. I got the gooch part. Do whoop de doo day. You didn't do anything for me. <laughs> Oh. He bags you on the way by. <laughs> <laughs> I got the gooch part. <laughs> oh my god! All right, Joe. Here's the Jesus. third one. Oh man! What the? Uh, this man is a Polish professional <laughs> soccer player who plays for a club in Poland. I think. <laughs> what is his name, Joe? <laughs> I don't know. Daisuke Mazuka. <laughs> it's not that. Not that. Grezgorge. Woj Tawak. Not saying it again. Demi Winder. So find the pronunciation <laughs> and let me know what you find. Okay, so the pronunciation is G J E. How does one pronounce that? Those are letters. <laughs> <laughs> Where is the Z? Whoop de doo dee. You didn't do anything for me. Okay, so I'm gonna go. It's J Goge. No, that's that can't be. That what? Uh, sure. Uh, <laughs> His last name is Vojkoviak. That is a W, not a V. <laughs> well, in uh, an Eastern European language, a W turns into a V sound. Well, Western Europeans are not the same as us. <laughs> <laughs> Eastern European. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. Oh, we are Western Europeans, aren't we? Yeehaw, yeah, correct. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Joe, here's the last one. Oh, that's a good one. I like this one. He's a special. Why does it say a special assistant coach for the Cleveland State University <laughs> men's special. men's basketball team? His most recent head coaching position was at Southeast Missouri State University before being let go after the 2014-15 season. Why would you put that in somebody's bio that he was let go? And then it's part of his life. Well, it's part of his life story. Okay, Joseph. His name. Part of his biography. Yeah. Okay. His name is. Dicky Nut. Dicky Nut. Penis grabbing. Dicky Nut. Dicky Albert Nut is his full name. <laughs> I don't know why you guys find these so funny. <laughs> what do you mean? To, say, to, also... not, to, to have me say Dicky so, Nut. So there's also uh, there's got the names. <laughs> there's uh, what his one nuts girl's in name. your face <laughs> mask. <laughs> one girl's name is uh she is where where is it here? Uh, well, don't we want to give them those? Give him those names over time. Uh, I'll just do this one now because right. it's along the same line okay. of right. comedy. She's <laughs> a staff athletic trainer. Don't know where her name is. Brooke Dix. 
fist grabbing. <laughs> Fumbling meat out of my bun. So you gotta you gotta get me names like Wang Lickin'. <laughs> what? Strap it! That's... <laughs> Say that Whose one more time. Whose name is that? I don't know. I just looked up funny real names and came up <laughs> Wanglicking. We're trying we're trying to keep the the sports thing uh <laughs> Oh true. <laughs> I mean Joe, if you want us to go down that road, we can easily. That's or... <laughs> I don't know how to say the first name. But. Of course you don't. <laughs> <laughs> Anurag Dick's, Dick Shit. <laughs> or Jesus Condom. <laughs> oh my god, we're going to get cancelled. Oh. oh, wait. <laughs> this girl's actual name is Sincerely Yours 98. <laughs> oh. It's Jesus Condom. <laughs> <laughs> it's in a yearbook. Kid's picture is in a year. Oh boy, I feel bad for that kid. Jesus God. Judy, Judy Graham swallows. <laughs> this guy's rapping. Oh, you can't. No, you can use Wang Licken. He's a ping pong player. Not oh, tennis. of course he is. Not table tennis. But table ping- tennis, ping pong, not the same this thing. This guy is the teacher of fifth grade. His name is Mr. Perv. <laughs> oh, duh. Dixie Normus. That, that might- sounds something that I don't want to be a part of. <laughs> uh, who gave us these Jack- buttons to press? Seriously. <laughs> Jack Goff. Fumbling meat out of my bun. <laughs> Thomas Fister. Strap in. <laughs> Justin Sider. His nuts in your face mask. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) This guy's name is Penis. (laughs) Penis grabbing. (laughs) Kick pound. (laughs) That That sounds something that I don't want to be a part of. Heath Cockburn. (laughs) (laughs) This guy's name is... Look at look his name is Sad Man. <laughs> but it's by Sodmon. Uh, what? BJ Cobbledick. <laughs> What's his first name? BJ. I don't know what his <laughs> Dr. Farts. <laughs> Major Dicky Head. Uh. <laughs> Wait! This guy this guy's a clarinet player in the marching band. His name is FU. <laughs> Wait, wait. <laughs> this just needs to go in the all name thing. Oh, there, hold on. Oh, uh, wow, this has been an exciting end to the episode here. <laughs> Look at this name. Destiny. What? <laughs> Even. S- uh, I. Yeah, we're going to save that one for you, Joe. No. Yes. Yeah. You sign up for this. I'm going to find the pronunciation you're for not. this one. And I'm no, gonna you're not going to find it for that one. <laughs> I'm convinced. Fat ho. Oh, boy. Okay, well. Tiny Dick. dick. Oh, my God. That's actually a guy's name. Tiny Dick. (laughs) Wait, that's funny because I just found Dick Smalley. (laughs) (laughs) This guy's name is Dick Cock. (laughs) And balls. You could use... 
You could use this one, Uranus Johnson. We used that one already. We've used that one oh, already. Did, it? did you? I, yeah, he went I to Marshall. Remember. Oh, wait. Dick yeah. Paradise is a retired American ice hockey player. Can I close the show out now? <laughs> Dick Assman is here. <laughs> <laughs> this guy thinks flavor balls. <laughs> what? This, this is a real name? Batman been Superman. <laughs> I think that'll do it. This week's episode of the Tri-State Sports Beat. Anus Rammer. <laughs> that, that sounds, sounds like something, something that I don't want yeah. to be a part of. Yes! <laughs> Strap in! <laughs> Joe, can I mute you? Like, I wish I wish we were here in person again instead of on in the Zoom studio. I could just mute you. <laughs> I just found that clarinet player. Oh <laughs> uh, well, make sure to follow all the uh, all the other podcasts on the Southside Productions Network. Take a pitch on the power play. Uh, Cooking with poo. <laughs> I saw that before too. <laughs> I'm not gonna even bother. You guys know where to find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and all oh, that stuff. Man. The draft was fun. Uh, Paul Tucox. I just got chubby cocks. <laughs> we'll see you guys next week. Namaste and keep listening to the Tri-State Sports Beat. Goodbye! It was all a dream. I used to read Word Up magazine. Salt and pepper and heavy D up in the limousine. Hanging pictures on my wall. Every Saturday, rap attack, Mr. Magic Molly Mall. Hello, Brooklyn. I love your corners. I'm happy so. I love your corners. I'm happy so. I love your corners. I'm happy so. I love your corners. I'm happy so.